I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Rule the World, the ultimate power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience, and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life, to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organization. Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. My name is Paul Furlong, creative director at Opus Media, and I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you know the power of storytelling. And I want you to bring that power to your own writing with Roger Shulman at thewritercoach.com. Roger's unique coaching method connects your personal story to whatever you're writing, giving it heart and depth. The result, your presentation, website copy, keynote address or screenplay becomes compelling, entertaining and persuasive. Roger is the winner of a British Academy Award and nominee for the Oscar and the Emmy. So go to thewritercoach.com and schedule a free discovery session. Let Roger bring the Hollywood to your writing. Today's guest is Martin J. Williams of UK Copywriting and the Williams bit of Hampson Natton Williams, experts in tone of voice and messaging. So welcome Martin. Hi Paul. Thanks for coming along today. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what it is you spend your days doing. Okay, um, I live in Manchester. Uh, I'm involved in two agencies, UK Copywriting and more and more um, Hampson, Nathan Williams. Um, I'm in Manchester for 10 years. I'm from Cheltenham, Cheltenham Spa <laughs> originally. Um, and we work primarily with tech companies, um, helping them share their value and impress upon their customers of their expertise now they can help them be more successful. Um, yeah. And how is it that you do that? We work as closely as we can with our clients' clients to get to the, uh, the truth <laughs> of what's going on, really, most of the time. Um, our clients have their 
um, reasons as to why they think their clients use them and the value they add and the, uh, the expertise they contribute. Um, we find that when we speak to our clients, clients, we start to get more, um, like a clearer picture really of, 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 the, of the value of our clients' contribution to them and why they use them. And so why is storytelling important to what you do? I think storytelling is particularly important to what we do because in the world that we inhabit, large, primarily technology, um, you're dealing with technologists, <laughs> um, scientifically-minded people who are particularly keen on expressing their value in, 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 in terms of um, function, often, and... Um, functional measurement and performance so it can all get a bit dry um, you know facts tell stories sell and all that um, and I think it's important to to add that element of of um, of, of, st- of storytelling really just just to give emotion and uh, and and reason behind why these you know, these, these products that they, they, they develop and so to you, you just talked about emotion um, that's clearly a key element to a good story. So maybe you could expand on that a little bit and talk about what else makes for a good story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of things contribute to, to making a good story. Um, in the context of, 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 of B2B web copy, for example, I think um, a good story should be based on a true a truth, there should be a true story. Um, and I think it should, in, there are elements of humanity need to be involved in it. So the way that the technology, for example, will interact with people, will impact on their lives, benefit them. Um, I think a good story also needs plenty of detail as well. Um, it needs to get down to the nitty gritty. Um, and that, I think that assists the believability of it. So certainly commercially truth, um, detail, and, 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 and people, I'd say those are three primary ingredients. When it comes to, I, I do public speaking as well. I've got involved in that recently. I've forced myself into doing it. Part of my message is, well, part of my, um, the, the reason I do it is trying to encourage more people to do it. I think it's a really powerful thing to do. Um, I wouldn't be so hard and fast with the rules then about what makes a good public, publicly spoken story. I've, I think I think it needs to be primarily useful. I don't think it needs to be true, although it needs to have be telling truths. Um, so uh, I'm quite at pains actually when I speak to when I, when I speak to people to say that the the, 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 the copywriting and, um, and public speaking are completely different animals. So um, a slightly different rules apply to them, in my opinion. So you say that a good story has. Uh, humanity to it. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's important to to put people in the story so they can relate to what you're saying. I think you know, make the reader the hero in the story um, and what um, and there will be aspects of their lives, their fears, their loves, you know, their um, ambitions their status, their ego, um, all these very, very human feelings and emotions that, that you can um, that you can bring into play 
by you know, in, in, in your storytelling. And I think that's really, really important. Otherwise, it's just very dry and very it becomes a very factual exercise. So yeah, so it's it's those it's it's pulling on those emotional strings. I think the uh, through addressing issues that you know that we all as individuals care about um, and relate to ourselves. There's, there's, there's a copywriting. Uh, they say the top things people in commercial copywriting the top things top three things people care about and third place is themselves and uh, second place is uh, themselves and first place is themselves so the more you can place someone someone's self at the centre of a story um, emotionally the more powerful that story will be the more effective it will be and the more you'll be able to uh, convey the the information you want to you know the meaning and the value of the information you want to share by telling the story. So yeah. And you said that <clears throat> um, right at the beginning that you work with your clients' clients yeah. to find the stories. So how else do you tend to prepare the stories that you're telling, uh, and what preparation do you do with your clients' clients to find these stories? So we interview them. I go to great lengths to be able to. Uh, get the permissions and the access to clients, clients. And I will just go through, I will just essentially walk through a a case study scenario, really. So there's, you know, what was was the pain you had? What was the problem that you were experiencing in the first place? What did you do to try and resolve it? How did you come across that solution? Um, What was applied to, you know, how was the resolution applied? um, and what were the what were the upshots? What were the consequences of it? And um, you know, would you would you happily use that same that same solution again? I.e., my client. Um, so it's just it's just walking through walking through the, the the history of their partnership really, and because I have uh, I'm not personally involved, and I'm a third party brought in. I get, I get a little bit more license to ask probably more probing questions and the client than my clients may dare ask of their clients. And I think my clients' clients are more relaxed to talking to me because they because they don't have the existing relationship. It's not a day-to-day kind of thing. So it's nice to have a bit of a <clears throat> little bit of a free run of it. You know, you've got to be respectful. But you know, I can talk about money, for example, my clients' clients, whereas my clients might not dare start talking about um, pounds, pay, you know, pounds, shillings and pence savings they've made. I've found some amazing stuff out about, I don't know, software licenses that were being paid and how are because the software provisions saved that, the vast amounts of money that that's saved. So, yeah, you get, it's, uh, you get, yeah, it's a very, very valuable way of, of, of getting to the true stories behind the relationship. So it seems like by asking the right questions, you're getting to the heart of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's fitting it to a simple story arc. Yeah, so you'll probably notice a theme. So you, a theme will evolve as you're as you're speaking to somebody, um, <clears throat> and it just won't be a straight portrayal of this happened and that happened. You'll 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 identify um, in the relationship and in the in the problem solving that's happened um, a theme, and 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 wrap wrap the whole of the. the you know, the narrative around, around that particular theme. For example, I was speaking with a client's client of mine and after quite a long 
conversation, they happened to mention the fact that a lot of their work was very sensitive. And what they liked about my client is that they trusted them with their data. So suddenly it becomes <clears throat> the reason... <clears throat> suddenly we're, we're building a narrative based on trust then and that you are your data in this day and age. And when you have a third-party provider, you need to be absolutely sure you can trust that provider you know, with that confidential information. So then we start a discussion then about the value. The theme is data and its value and how companies these days are largely comprised of their data um, and how important that is. So that, that gives you a little fresh angle in which to position you know, this, this company's, the, my client's proposition, that they are trustworthy with data. <clears throat> and so once you've got the research done and you've got the elements of the story that you're going to build, yeah. uh, how do you then carry on that preparation of, of the story? What, what's your next step? Everything's connected. And even if it isn't, it's, it will serve you well to think to remember that it might feel connected. So nothing is, nothing is irrelevant or wasteful. <clears throat> and to take aspects of your life and aspects of your interactions with people and conversations you've had and things you've heard and seen, and it's all, it's all material. Um, and we can all, we've all lived lives, and we can, if we sit down and get think about it, I'm sure we can all <clears throat> drag up um, interesting stories, interesting conversations we've had and scenarios. And the more you start thinking about it, you can start piecing them together. <clears throat> now, rather than um, rather than thinking of the end and then trying to find a story in my life, you know, the, rather than starting with a conclusion, what I want to say, the message, and finding a story to support that message, what I'll often do is, is, is work hard at finding... Yeah. Um, as in the case of this case study with the data, finding the story, what happened, and then apply the meaning to it afterwards. Um, I, you know, I, t I, I tell a story um, about a, a business um, venture of mine, <laughs> which um, it's quite fun. It's, yeah, people find it amusing because it's so hor it was just so horrendously wrong. Selling sunglasses southbound on the M5 in the Dampest, darkest, dimmest, dingiest, dullest summer since 1863 in Krakatoa erupted and plunged the northern hemisphere into two years of almost semi-permanent winter. And it got worse than that. We got moved northbound, so we weren't selling sunglasses to anybody for three months in the dumb, dullest, dimmest, darkest. Because people were on their way back from Cornwall, on their way back from Devon, with their skin, and they were depressed going back to work and... It was raining anyway, so why would they press it? And it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. The more I reflected on it, the more I realised actually it hadn't been a disaster. Blah, 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 blah. And the value of that, and the story I want to tell there is control the controllables. When you have aspects of your life and your business that are within your control, um, it makes absolute sense to mitigate against the stuff that's beyond your control to take you know, to make the very, very most of them. And that's what, but I only realised that having thought about the story in the first place and, and thought and worked out, worked out a narrative and worked all the way through it. <clears throat> it's just a weird shaggy dog story, <clears throat> although it's true. And then, um, and then thought, well, what, what's, what's the mean? What, what was the meaning of that story? What did it mean? And then you start digging deeper and thinking more about it. 
you apply the meaning to it. And I think that applies with commercial writing as well. And these interviews, came, you know, when I speak to my clients, clients, I think it's a, a very useful approach for me rather than taking the end point, starting with the end point and trying to construct a story. To, to get there, I'll construct a story, then, then work out in my own mind what it meant. And in that sunglasses story that you've just told, you mm. used a lot of alliteration. So how important is language in the stories that you tell? Uh, it's, it's utterly essential, I think, in the engagement, in the, in the emotional response people have to your storytelling. Um, and I think it doesn't just... I mean, some people are incredibly gifted. For me, I have to work. <laughs> I work hard at it. Um, to, to craft, to construct, um, you know, using the meta, the right, in, in, making it, adding life to a metaphor, making it interesting, not just using a cliche, um, and working on the, uh, working on the presentation of the story, I think is really important as well. Um, you know, there are there are devices, there are lots of devices we all use, rhetorical devices. I think are, are fabulously powerful and effective, and much much underappreciated. There's a book by Mark Forsyth called The Elements of Eloquence. Can't recommend it highly enough. It's it's uh, it basically works works through the ancient Greek rhetorical devices and uh, gives exa- contemporary examples like you know the Beatles and uh, Kennedy and you know Shakespeare to show you how pe- how they're embedded in our in our language and in our psyche and we don't even know it half the time. Um, and they're incredibly powerful. Um, f- I mean, for example, uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a quick example. Oh, yeah, everyone's familiar with alliteration. <clears throat> Curiosity killed the cat. I mean, you see it in advertising and you see it in conversation every day. <clears throat> you see this, the, the nonsense that's spoken because it's, cause it alliterates and rhyme as well. The, the amazing stuff that um, people can get away with just because because something rhymes, but it's soft on the ear, it's natural on the ear, and it it, it disarms you and it slips under the the logic radar often, <clears throat> and it adds you know lots and lots of colour as well. I'll give you another example of something. Um, <clears throat> oh, the tri the tricolor, the power of three: blood, sweat, and tears. Education, education, education. Um, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world you know it's such a powerful device and and we use them naturally um, and we use them intuitively and I think um, yeah if you want to get really really good at this yeah grab that book work through it all and and, and you'll be amazed how how common these these ancient devices are um, and how very difficult lots of them are to pronounce as well (laughs) Uh, so yeah, um, your question was language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how important <clears throat> it is. Oh, it's. I think it's. Um, it's the. It's 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 the rocket fuel in the tank. Yeah. And I've read uh, some of what what you've written in the past, and you have a very particular style. Or in the things that I've read, I I think I would be able to tell that that's something that Martin has written. So. How have you have you developed that style? Well, that's <clears throat> I'm a songwriter. 
my background is as a songwriter, and I had to take big songwriters taking creating great big ideas and distilling them into you know into three verses, a bridge, chorus, and a middle eight. Yeah, so I love I love doing that, um, and. I think that probably reflects in my writing. I'm not sure how clever that is. And in many respects, what you said about being able to identify my writing as mine, professionally, probably isn't something I'd want to crow about because you have, you know, tone of, a company's tone of voice is a company's tone of voice. We work very, very hard at eliciting our client's tone of voice um, and then making it consistent, projecting across all their sort of you know, marketing touch, touch points. Um, and I have to work very, you know, I have to work very hard. I'm, I'm aware I have a style. <laughs> and I have to work very, very hard at being professional and, and you know, working um, uh, to consistently represent my clients in the tone of voice that they need to be represented. Um, but from my personal point, um, it's, I, my, my personal writing style is very, very conversational, for want of a better term. Um, and quite poetic as well, um, I think. I write with a lot of poetry. I love playing with sounds of words and yeah, things like alliteration and playing with s- sentence lengths. And just I've, I, I, that's what I like to read. It engages me. I, it stimulates me. And I, I guess that's sort of if you, you know, what you like influences what you do. So, <laughs> so how do you? You mentioned about the tone of voice of the client is important yeah. and to maybe sometimes get away from your own style to find the client's style. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how do you do that? Um, we run workshops. We've got a tone of voice workshop. I've got a toolkit. Um, and we sit down with our clients and we basically start a conversation. And we set off conversations. We trigger conversations between the stakeholders, our client stakeholders. So we get four or five client stakeholders in a room, and we will just give them the tools basically to do their own investigation. And we, it's guided, and we end up at a point where where we will help them with this toolkit. Uh, we will we will you know, eleven primary voices. There are eleven primary voices based on Jung's archetypes, essentially. It's a sort of commercial version of it, real-world commerce version of it. Um, and the, 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 the workshop helps our clients um, elicit, define, understand, reveal their own. You know, it exists. This, the process helps them identify what it is. And we can, we'll create a set of guidelines for them so they can go away and their marketing team can... You know, can write in that agreed. Because what's nice about the workshop is the buy-in. You know, everyone's there, everyone's contributing to it, and it's a shared decision. Because that's really, really important. It's the consistency of a company tone of voice is very, very powerful. Um, so yeah, we'll create guidelines off the back of that, and their team can write, or we'll write the copy them ourselves on behalf of them, or train them to do whatever they want, really. Uh, but it all starts. It all starts with tone of voice, and then we build the messaging on top of that. Um, and it's the messaging that, that that needs to come first. Do you want to talk us through the toolkit or the archetypes? Yes, I can do that. Uh, so what we do is we um, <clears throat> we've got a load of of cards with with individual words on them. So uh, 
We'll lay the cards out on the table, for example, frank will be a word, flamboyant will be another word, concrete will be another word, we've got 98 of them. Uh, and we'll ask our clients to pick, I've said, say there's five stakeholders in the room, say pick five each and two you don't, you think do not reflect the way you're the projection and the perception of your company. So off they'll go, and people, it's great to sit back and watch people fight over cards. Oh, but I was going to say, why have you chosen that? <laughs> it's ridiculous. And we just sit, let it, this thing unfold, and you know, it takes quite an amount of time, and we'll, we'll assist where needs be, and aren't those two cards similar? Why, and, and a client might justify the choice of those two similar cards or agree that they are too similar and yes, they'll just keep one. We'll end up with 25 cards that they've chosen, five each and 15, three that are definitely not them and we'll whittle it down. We'll let them negotiate with each other, <clears throat> compare, contrast, compete and uh, down to maybe five, five core cards that, that they feel represent um, and all the time we're interrogating, we're asking them questions, we're making them justify. And the whole process is an amazing conversation and you start seeing light bulbs go off and <clears throat> uh, people... Because what it does is it gives... The process gives people the, a, a, a licence, really, a platform to, to actually think about the language they use and how they should be using. You know, it, it, it gives real, genuine value to language and and, you know, and, and, and and the words they feel might represent them. So we'll do that, we'll end up with five. Okay, but, well, that's great, it's really interesting. And then we'll show them the archetypes written in the style of the archetypes. For example, these are commercially relevant um, uh, for example, Firestarter is, is quite quite bullish, quite full on. Think, think Brewdog as a brand, or um, what's a playful child is one that's a bit gooey and a bit, you know, think innocent. So there are, you know, a storyteller. I mean, I, the times I've spent on a tube station platform in London reading the Jack Daniels <laughs> advert on the opposite wall, you know, there's a perfect example of storyteller. So, what based on the cards they've chosen, we'll work out because. Brands are rarely, rarely single, so that'll be a blend. Well, uh, based on the cards they've chosen, well, you know, that they themselves, we haven't told them what to choose. Those cards each individually relate to a primary tone of voice, so they will reflect the, you know, the blend that they are. Uh, and it's very, very powerful and very uh, liberating, I think. Because it's because because there you've got it. You've got your tone of voice defined. You've got your uh, guidelines off the back of that. We we'll give them a certificate. So you are a you are purposeful with a dash of warm friend and a little bit of straight talker. And because everyone's been involved in the process, there's that buy-in and that level of consistency across the whole company has been agreed. So every time, you know, from now on, every 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 touch point on the you know the user journey can might be addressed should be addressed in that consistent tone, and we've done it for Hampson, Nat, and Williams, 
<clears throat> not my purpose for straight talk is, which reins me back from this kind of quite poetic, uh, uh, l- lyrical style that I would write normally for 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 my business, which is a good thing because it means three of us have that defined tone of voice, and when we communicate, it's much more consistent. It's not three individuals just chucking any kind of weird writing into the hat. It's you know we've got that. Things. And um, it's an amazing starting point for any business. Um, I think it's incredibly powerful. People talk about tone of voice all the time. Tone of voice this, tone of voice that. No one, no one really applies it in the way that we do with our toolkit. You know, this is it's been, we've coded. It's been codified, um, and, and we make it very, very clear. It's a bit abstract normally, but we we make it very, very clear for people. And you'll get a brand set of brand guidelines when you walk into a company. You know half an inch thick of Pantone colours and pixels and distance from the edge of a page all this kind of stuff you'll get a couple of lines at the end right like you talk keep your sentences short and that's it um, our process just adds a lot more depth to that really for example so, so when you get a marketing company involved or a PR company you can say to them or a new member of staff or a new branch whatever boom there you go this is how we talk um, and here are examples and here are just keeps it consistent. Fascinating. Love it. So Martin, can you tell me a little bit about how you might grab attention at the start of a story? I think I think a single word is a very powerful way to start, begin a story. Juxtaposition. Surprise. I'm a big Seth Godin fan, you know, and uh, he talked... I did this uh, marketing seminar a couple of years ago. He talked about storytelling and that. I don't know if this is related to your previous question or not, but I'd like to share it because I think it's useful. He talks about two types of stories. He talks about... Um, I used to think that, then this happened, and now I think this. And I think that's a really, really... Um, especially, as we were talking, commercially, really, really powerful um, way of telling a story. And you... And when you build in empathy and humility and trust and tension and, um, and, and you know, he, he uses status he thinks status is a really powerful thing as well. I mean, that, that makes it there's a famous fantastically famous um, um, headline I think it ran for 40 years it was controlled it couldn't be beaten for 40 years it was a home music tuition course and they, they laughed when I sat down at the piano when I started to play and that headline was unbeaten for all two years because it it is that I used to think this I used to think piano lessons were boring and then I realised that people were really impressed by people who could play the piano <laughs> and as a result I went and got my piano lessons and now played the piano really well and impressed people so it's, that's a very concise and powerful story just in a sentence um, you're a person you're struggling with something and someone teaches you something and there you are. there's another storytelling I don't know if, tell me if I'm going on it, it, it talks about Marshall Gantz method the story of self the story of us the story of now a lot of political organisations use that it's a very very powerful vehicle um, I'm going to share a URL in the notes um, of um, I wish I could remember the name of the person who told it. Uh, it's a YouTube video of a guy telling 
an equal rights campaigner um, talking, um, using the self, us, and now um, framework um, storytelling is, is, is beautiful and wonderfully powerful. So that's what we're looking at. And so just going back to grab attention, I suppose those elements that you've talked about there will help to hold attention, would you say? Kind of keeping the middle section of the story, keeping think, people engaged. Yeah, I think the best way of grabbing attention is putting them straight in the story, okay. putting me off. So the sunglasses story, <laughs> to go back to that as an example, I say, what were you doing in the summer of 2008? Do you remember the summer of 2008? people, oh, is there anything notable about the summer of 2008? People say, oh, the Beijing Olympics. Oh, the economic down, you know, the crash. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about that. That's not, that doesn't suit the purposes of my narrative, I'm afraid. I'm going to tell you. So you're, you're engaged in What were you doing? Do you remember where you were in the summer of 2008? You might have been in a different city. Different, people are racking their brains. They're engaged. They're, yeah, they're part of the story now. And off we go. And I think that's a, that's a very powerful starting point. Um, and I think uh, scene setting, as well, literal scene setting is another story I tell. That Christmas Eve, Christmas night, Christmas night, I was around some friends, I was playing Trivial Pursuit. Everyone's played Trivial Pursuit, everyone can relate to that, can't they? So I got, I got the green, we got the green, what's the green? It's a science, science, yeah. So you're asking people, and of course everyone knows it's science. So they're cheap tricks, really, but it's getting people involved. Um, and, yeah, the people we were with, and you name them, little Luke, his girlfriend, Joan, she's a nice girl. They got this green question as the science, I think, yeah. And the question was, what is a hundred times sweeter than cane sugar? Um, and off you go. <clears throat> and it, it tells a story and, and, and it generally happened as a story and I didn't know what it meant at the time it just made me laugh for about 12 years and at the end of after 12 years I reflected and I thought actually there was meaning in that story and then applied and then it justified telling it as a story then not just as a madman's ramblings <laughs> and so as well as kind of the Seth Godin and the, the Marshall Gantz method that you're talking about. How else can we keep people engaged in the middle of the story? Um, how else can we keep people engaged? Make them at the put them at the centre of the story. You mean? Yeah. So yeah. often, particularly maybe when you're hearing people talk on the stage, and I know certainly in in movies yeah. in. Um, in books that I've read, it's always the middle of the story where people tend to switch off. Oh, right, okay. Um, so how can we keep people engaged in the middle of a story? The middle of the story is that bit when, um, <clears throat> when everything's gone wrong, <laughs> isn't it? Where the, uh, the hero's journey and all, all that, isn't it? Where, the, uh, where they have their mentor and their... I think humour. I think I think surprise. Stephen Pinker. I like Stephen Pinker a lot. I, he's great. He's a you're familiar with him. He's a neuropsychologist, neuro, neuro whatever the, his official title is. He's got an amazing book called The Sense of Style. Um, 
and I'm a big fan. And he says, uh, all good writing balances clarity and surprise. So I think chucking in surprise, curveballing people, I think is a really great thing to do. And I'll tell you, you're going to ask me later, probably, who my favourite storytellers are. Well, I'm going to let the, the cat out of the proverbial sack now. Um, Stuart Lee, a comedian, I just think is a consummate storyteller because he takes you down paths <clears throat> with clarity and plausibility. And then he'll just chuck you off a cliff and he'll just, you know, completely screw you over. And that surprise, I think, is really, really powerful because it keeps you engaged. It, it's, you know, as a marketer, um, I don't know if you find this poor, but as a marketer, uh, my, my purpose is to, is, to, is to do anything I can in my power to stop people's eyes glazing over. And they're very, very quick to do so, you know, in, in day-to-day life. And uh, I think surprise is and discomfort. Even, I go as far as say, a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of... Um, yeah, surprise is the, is the way to do it. Break people out of their inertia. So I think that, in the middle of a story, when people think they've got you sussed, they've got the whole thing worked out, and you just say to them, uh-uh, a reveal, perhaps, some sort of reveal. I see dead people. <laughs> but that wouldn't work in the middle in that case, would it? But <clears throat> So you did beat me to it. My next question was going to be the first of the quick-fire questions at the end, which is, who do you think of when you hear the word story and why? So you've mentioned one. Who else and why do you think that okay. about them when you hear the word story? Okay. I love Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I just, he just, you know, it's called magical realism. For me, the whole process of reading his work is magical. I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what's real, what's supposedly real. It's sometimes fiction, isn't it? But I don't know what's supposed to be portrayed as real, what, you know, what isn't. I find that really beautiful. I love George Orwell. I think if, they say if you want to understand the 20th century, read George Orwell. Um, and it isn't just 1984. I mean, it's an epic interrogation of British society in the 30s. I wrote to Wigan Pierre down there in Paris. That's just brilliant. Not embellished, not you know, it's not flowery. It's 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 just great, easy, great, re- great writings. It's very easy to read. Um, I think Seth Godin tells great stories as well. You know, he's consummate. Um, Charles Dickens, I just think it's <laughs> it's just a great read. Um, my favourite book. If, I don't know if you mean... Yeah, I, I, I love a book called Vernon God Little. I think it won the, um, some big award in the early 2000s. That just moves me that book. Yeah. I like writing that. I think, God, how do you do that? I think, like, music is not anything. You can't work it out. You can't see the moving parts. And it's like, God, you aspire to it. And that, but I find that inspiring. Guess what? I find that inspirational. <laughs> you know what I mean. And can you recommend any good <laughs> books or blogs or videos or anything that will make us better storytellers? Um, I, I think uh, there's, there's um, a brilliant 
blog. I get you this daily thing. There's a couple of things, yeah. Um, Hugh McLeod, Gaping Void, I think is the name of his company. They do sort of a graphic, a graphic and a bit of business or life truth beneath it. And I think that's really, really beautiful. I enjoy getting those. I'll, I'll have a quick look at those daily. Um, at the risk of sounding like a Seth Godin fanboy, um, his blog is just a shot of inspiration um, most of the time. And it helps. It just helps. It helps give... It gave me the courage to realise that you could explain stuff in a conversational one-to-one, you know, years ago. And I think that's what a lot of people need, and I think that's why our tone of voice workshop's great, and I think that's why public speaking's great, because it, 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 you're working in this environment where it's OK, you, it's permissible to, to, to write like you speak and to just, you know, to, to converse on a, on, a, on a one-to-one basis, to break away from the legalese, the light legalese that a lot of businesses have traditionally used and are increasingly going away from. Um, yeah, I think read read any Stuart Lee you can. That's just as much it's as f- funny as it is informative. Um, as a, as a, it's another blog I subscribe to. It's, it's a weekly email, and it's from an American academic called Doctor Mardi. And uh, again, that is just a massive um, burst of inspiration and uh, education and insight into other people's thinking and you know, you sit there and you compare it to yours and it just makes you a, a more informed um, participant of this wonderful game we're all playing he's got a book called Metaphors Be With You which um, made me laugh <laughs> and where can we find out more about you online whatever you might be up to in the next year or so okay got a very very busy year ahead um, Hampson Nathan Williams is is um, taking off really well with the, the, the tone of voice stuff. Our message led marketing um, so that's going great because um, it's nice to be able to get in with businesses earlier in the in the uh, marketing process as opposed to just be dragged in last minute. Like a lot of traditionally, yeah, we, we're basically Hampson Nathan Williams are three businesses competitors. We had the same problems. We were getting dragged in. Can you replace this Laura Mipson, please? We just had spent vast amounts of money having a website designed, and then we realised we needed some words quick. Let's find some writers. And so what's happening now is that we're getting involved in the marketing conversations a lot earlier when when we're talking about tone of voice. And, and, uh, and it just gives us much more influence and much more value to the work we can deliver, and it helps our clients loads, because it's going to, yeah, it makes the whole messaging that much stronger so loads of that going on uh, we've put a conference on in June June the 7th Friday the 7th I think uh, at the Royal Exchange that's planned for we've got some amazing speakers storytellers um, copywriting based marketeers content people it's going to be astonishing so we've a lot of work going into that at the moment and uh, yeah. Website, social media. Website, social media, uh, HNW Agency, um, or UK Copywriting. Yeah, you'll find me or us through there. Um, 
trying to start fires, basically. <laughs> trying to have conversations. We just want as many interesting conversations where we can share our knowledge and we can learn stuff. And, you know, we're all, you know, it's, it's all good. Brilliant. Well, Martin, it's been great having you on today. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. I look forward to doing this again sometime soon. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Rule the World. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show and visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities. That's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you and see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs>